Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! We are back on the Weekend Fantasy Update. Mike and Joe, find us on Twitter at FNTSY Radio, at Mike Blue, at Joe Galena. And now, welcome back an old friend, uh, former host on this uh, show and on this network, uh, Kevin Walsh. You find him on Twitter at the Kevin Walsh. Kevin, how you doing, bud? I am doing well. Lovely to hear from you, fellas. Got recruited by Sean Angle, which, which absolutely brightened my morning. That's good. That's good. He brings a lot of energy. Shout out to Sean Engel, our producer. So there you go. All right. Um, I, I think it's been well established that you despise the Warriors. We've covered no. this on air. You do <laughs> not like the Warriors. It's okay. You're okay. It's okay that you don't like the Warriors. You particularly didn't like them after they won and added Kevin Durant. Uh, after they had won and then added Kevin Durant, and then you uh, disliked them even further when Boogie Cousins signed for a. Uh, a pittance compared to what his overall NBA value was, although it was a confusing situation because he was had an Achilles injury. But they have found themselves in obviously the biggest hole that they found themselves in uh, since they ultimately lost to Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. My take on it is that, and you somehow think I'm a Warriors fan, which I'm not. I just I have a lot of fun watching them when they're playing <laughs> at their best. Uh, so, uh, now I've laid all the cards out on the table. They're just not the same defensively. Uh, they're, they're a team that's built to be healthy and win. You can't just lose all these guys and still win. I think some fans, even some analysts, have convinced themselves, ah, the Warriors can do anything. But mm. well, when you lose three guys or two and a half guys, you're in a lot of trouble, and they find themselves in a lot of trouble in this series. Well, yeah, as much, as much as, and I still think in a way, to a degree, the way this series has played out, the Kevin Durant's decision did have a major impact on the league and the overall enjoyment of it, and I think to a degree, this series adds some weight to that. But ultimately, when you look at the team the Warriors are trotting out going into this series, which was mainly just minus Kevin Durant, it's probably the worst Warriors team in this entire run because... When they before they added Durant, they were a team based on depth. They traded in the depth for a top heavy star power driven team, which you do ten times out of ten, but when then the depth is gone and Durant is gone, it leaves you vulnerable. And I think you made a really good point there about how the media can consistently tell themselves that the Warriors can do no wrong. I think the Portland Trailblazers series was Something that a lot of people used as their reason for liking the Warriors against the Raptors. I saw plenty of people say maybe the Raptors get a game. That series is entirely why I felt that the Raptors would be able to beat the Warriors pre-series with if Durant wasn't going to return because if you allow a team like the Portland Trailblazers, to me, a significantly worse team than the Toronto Raptors, to get up on you by 17 points, three straight games, yeah. If you, you can't allow a similar situation when you play a much better Toronto Raptor team, a team that also, and I feel like this wasn't valued enough, had the home court advantage. In this run, there's only been one team that's had a home court advantage over the Warriors. That was the last year's Rockets team, and it took the Rockets missing 27 straight threes in a game seven to not get past the Warriors team that even had Kevin Durant. So the home court, I don't think was factored in enough. And I really think the Blazers series, I think people kind of glossed over how they were getting those wins and just focused on a sweep. 
Uh, I think you're right to to some extent. It was um, I I said during the series, I wish the Blazers would stop doing this to themselves because it was just torture <laughs> to watch them keep doing that. But it's not just Durant, obviously. It's Boogie. That's what I don't even know what percentage to put on him because he was really good in one game, but he clearly can't go out and do it every night. He's he's not in good shape, good enough basketball shape right now. Mm-hmm. Looney is playing with a painful injury. And they're just throwing the kitchen sink at Steph, who can only do so much. And even Clay was awesome last night, but he yeah. was he was he had to get his leg rewrapped. It's just um, it's a complete mess. Now we'll keep we can keep diving down into it, and then I'll even ask you about Carson Wentz at the end. But where do you expect it to go from here? Is this a closeout for the Raptors in Game Five? Yeah, and that is the reason why yesterday I thought that the series should be over in five once they announced that Durant was out Game Four because for me. If he was out four, then he was likely out five. To me, without Durant, I just didn't see how the Warriors got it done. And then what's played out through the series is DeMarcus Cousins has been, despite the second half of game two, pretty much unplayable. Tavon Looney's gone down with an injury, which is, for people who are consistently been watching the playoffs, you probably knew how big of a deal that would be. He was even pretty good last night, all things considered. And Clay, Clay was... And Clay was phenomenal. I didn't even think you were going to be able to get that good of a game out of Clay Thompson uh, that they got, and it still didn't really make the difference. For me, the Warriors had to win last night. And I also, for as great as Steph Curry was in Game 3, I thought it was very, very unlikely to see a repeat performance of that. And they probably needed something similar. And I think it does show when they ended up only being able to put up 92 points. I mean, the Raptors had no comprehension of the sport of basketball for the entire first quarter. And by halftime, it was only a four-point game. Yeah, which is normally what the Warriors do to other teams when they they play badly for stretches. And then it's sort of what happened in game two where Mm – the Raptors were up big and the Warriors looked lost, but they go on this little run in the last four minutes of the first half and they cut it down to a manageable lead. And then they pull like the Warriors playbook thing, which is to destroy everybody in the third period. So that's what they ended up doing. Now you made a good point about Looney. Uh, I just think Livingston didn't give them a lot last night, but there, there's two other components I want you to comment on. One is, mm-hmm. Whether it's due to injury or not, this is just so far from where they used to be defensively, and which mm-hmm. was the media and analysts knew well how good a defensive team they were. I think casual fans were just always wowed by the three-point barrage from the Splash Brothers and everybody yeah. else. They were great defensively last night. They were lost defensively to the point where, and I always thought he was going to be a a factor in the Bucks series, and now last night he was effectively the MVP of the game. Ibaka just totally dominated. He was 9 mm-hmm. of 12 from the floor, and even in not a completely full load of minutes, he took over the game. They just couldn't defend him. Like, Bogut can't do anything with him. Looney's banged up. Mm-hmm. Livingston can only do so much, sort of playing out of position at times because of his length. But Ibaka was a huge factor last night and really was the reason that they were able to keep the distance from the Warriors throughout the game. It wasn't just Kawhi doing it. Ibaka poured in 20 points. Yeah, I think even when we talk about Kevin Durant not being there, uh, the most obvious absence is the offense of Kevin Durant, one of the all-time great offensive players. But he's also incredibly valuable for their defense when you think about his length and his ability to rebound the basketball or even just the fact that Kawhi Leonard would likely draw that Kevin Durant assignment and that probably doesn't allow him the opportunity to come out and have a 17 point third quarter Durant would have changed the math on all of this because then instead of an unplayable Marcus Cousins or a Kevon Looney who doesn't have his collarbones intact, or an unplayable Andrew Bogut, you're then able to play Draymond at the five, Durant at the four. You keep the size, and Draymond can usually get the better of a matchup against a Serge Ibaka. Hell, even against a Marcus Gasol, he's been doing it his entire career. So Durant, as much as they miss him on offense, you could maybe even argue the defensive side of the ball, they miss him even more. And there were moments last night, uh, Draymond had like the ultimate Draymond game too, 
He's a minus 13 last time, but all the Warriors were minus except for yeah. Bogut, um, where he had 10. He had 10, 12 assists. He had nine rebounds. But I could tell there was a sense of desperation because Draymond had four fouls. I'd say all four were ridiculous fouls. <laughs> Guys coming down, not even in transition. Guys are bringing the ball down. Draymond runs up to him to foul them hard it's mad at the ref for calling a foul it's like you just ran 35 feet across the basketball court and ran into the guy and reached on him and they called a foul it's a foul every time like why are you stopping mm-hmm. the clock and getting guys into the bonus and putting them on the line i just wonder if there was a sense it felt like a little bit of old draymond crept in where the sense of frustration he got a technical he's up to five technicals by the way in the postseason if he gets two more he misses a game so assuming this goes a couple three more games draymond's at risk if he doesn't keep himself Mm. off of the uh the technical line but uh so i i just thought draymond showed a little bit of frustration steph was obviously frustrated he was getting hit a lot last night and he, they weren't calling it to a point, and he finally got a foul, and I, I thought he was going to get teed up too for sort of slamming the ball down. Well, I think on the Draymond point, something that you and I would kind of always laugh about with Draymond, especially come the postseason, is he'll, he'll get in a ref's face, he'll get attacked, and then he's allowed to do whatever he wants. One of the yeah. weird trends that felt like this postseason where Draymond's just been allowed to do whatever he wants before you're ever getting the first tech. He has certainly toned it down a bit, but something I tweeted out last night is if this game gets out of hand, game five, I think he's just going to get ejected. I truly, like, I wonder if you can find a sports book that will give you some odds on Draymond Green getting tossed out of game five because he now seems, he, he's seeing it slip away, and all the self-control is slipping away with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought the fouls were indicative of that last night. I thought Iguodala was okay. He only gives you three points, but, um, I, you know, Iguodala is a jack-of-all-trades guy last night, but it's unfortunate because they do need more offense out of him. They just need out of offense out of guys that they don't normally have to rely on to give them offense. You know, they needed more than three points out of Iggy and six points out of Sean Livingston, for example. They needed Quinn Cook to hit one shot. Just hit one. You're in there seven minutes. You're shooting five shots. Just hit one. Like, give us some points. So, uh, all right. So you think it's over in game five. That's it. Yeah, I just, again, I I mean, they played 16 quarters. It's 13 to three Raptors. Like, the Warriors have only won three quarters in this entire series. That is, I mean, that is, to me, the entire story here. The Raptors, it's not just the Raptors have been better. They've been comfortably better and that's how you win two games in oracle and that's they've just been the comfortably better basketball team and again unless 35 is going to walk out of that tunnel i don't know what the warriors could possibly go to because we've even seen uh, just one last point we've seen the tremendous steph game the 40 like the best maybe the one of the best playoff games of his whole career and it still still didn't make the difference and it was at oracle yes uh, and I don't think Durant is coming back. No, so, neither do I. So I think he's hurt, and he's going to be a free agent, and it doesn't matter the stakes. He, I think he's hurt. So um, no need for him to come back at, like, 40% to try to prove his worth to the team. Like, how, how is he even going to contribute? He's going to play 11 minutes at 40% Kevin Durant? It doesn't help um, no. when Kawhi Leonard is on the other team. So... In particular. So, all right, uh, I'll give you a couple minutes because your boy Carson Wentz got signed, and now they have him long-term. So this is still a win-now team. Uh, they were, they're kind of in this position that a lot of teams get into with a quarterback. It's like, well, we're not 100% on him. We really like him, but what else are we going to do? We have to extend them and plan ahead for the future. And even the owner comes out and says that. Jeffrey Laurie says they plan ahead for the future. So... Where are you at on the signing? Concerned? Uh, just give me kind of your thoughts there. I, I, I don't know what else they could have done, but you have to have I, some level of concern. I, well, I really think that it was important for Philadelphia probably to get this done now because I don't know how much benefit there would be to waiting. The only argument would be 
an awful Carson one season and then you just let him go, which I don't know how happy anybody really is even about that result. To get this extension done before Goff and Dak is probably a big-time bonus because, I mean, Dak's on the record about not taking pay cuts, and I would assume Wentz would get more than Dak would get. And again, Goff is someone that clearly the Rams like. So being able to get it done before that and also getting it done before what could be a really, really good season out of Carson Wentz. Every single report is indicating that he is actually healthy coming into this season. One of the guys that I think both of us really respect in the NFL is Lewis Riddick, uh, the guy who was all over Pat Mahomes last year. He's now on record for his preseason uh, pick for MVP is Carson Wentz. So I think there's a lot of people expecting a big year from Carson Wentz. I know even in fantasy terms, I saw Matthew Berry's reaction to the contract extension say that he's uh, he's a top eight quarterback for him. So I think all the expectations are high. So really, if you wait a year, he goes out and plays closer to the MVP Carson Wentz that we had seen two seasons ago, you know he's going to have to get probably then the highest paid contract and a number that will always go up because that's just the way things are with quarterbacks. The number continues to move up. So I think it was kind of a no-brainer for Philly. Hey, Kevin, we have just about a minute left. Joe Galina here. Jordan Howard, in or out? Eagles uh, running running game been really hurting uh, yeah. fantasy players. What are we doing this year? Howard, number I 33. Think, Go ahead. I, I think it really does remain touchdown reliant because it's, it's not like they had to give up a ton to get Jordan Howard. So I don't think it mm-hmm. puts Doug Peter, uh, Peterson up against a wall to have to force feed him the football. I think it comes down to really his ability to punch touchdowns in in the red zone. And Philly has been a really good red zone team, but a part of that is Carson Wentz's efficiency in the red zone. So uh, do I love, 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 love Jordan Howard? Not necessarily. Again, I think it's going to come down mostly to value and, and where you're able to get him because I think it really will be touchdown dependent. Good stuff, Kev. Well, you got your dream scenario here. Uh, the Warriors are just going to get getting beat up by the Raptors. So <laughs> the dream scenario on. was Durant never going there. For honest, but. yeah, I know. Well, it's too late for that. So thanks for coming. <laughs> you can find Kevin on the Pickup Sports Podcast with Kevin Walsh. Find him on Twitter at the Kevin Walsh. We'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Thanks for joining us. All right, thank you guys. Appreciate it. So, uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll uh, talk a little bit about what Kevin had to say. And turn it back over to baseball. Maybe do a few more football props as well. It's Mike and Joe. On- From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Black Sabbath to get you going on a Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us on We Get Fantasy Update, FNTSY. So, saw this story, Joe, earlier this week. Authorities say two female acquaintances vanished with more than a half million dollars in jewelry from NFL star. Was that Le'Veon Bell? (laughs) Yeah, Le'Veon Bell's Florida home. Hollywood police say Bell returned from the gym May 25th and found the women gone and his jewelry missing. The police report obtained by the Associated Press refers to the two women as Bell's girlfriends. So Bell said items in his closet were in disarray and all his jewelry was missing, including two gold chains with diamonds, a black panther pendant with black and white diamonds, and a Rolex. They totaled $520,000. Police said they are investigating. Uh, He was with the Jets on Tuesday for the first time since signing with them in March. He signed a four-year $52 million deal, including $35 million guaranteed after sitting out last season in Pittsburgh. So that's a lot of jewelry. I'm not a jewelry guy, personally. I don't wear watches. I don't wear anything uh, at all. I wear a Fitbit to make sure I'm not a complete 
lazy slob and try to get my steps <laughs> right. up and get my heart rate going. Uh, but And that is a huge, in my personal estimation, a huge sacrifice. I hate having this thing on my wrist, but I do it because it's better for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's my take on jewelry. Uh, I'll never have anywhere approaching a half a million dollars in jewelry, even if I uh, somehow approach the same wealth status as Le'Veon Bell. So he got robbed. It was in his home. I feel I I have sympathy for him. There's a lot of instances where we see guys get robbed and somehow they had $100,000 in cash and $90,000 in jewelry and an envelope in their car. And you're like, what are you doing? But obviously he was dating the wrong women and they just took the opportunity and robbed him. But he knows who they are. Right, right, right. How much did he miss out in salary uh, last year? From about fourteen uh, from, from million out? So the, about fourteen, 14 million, million now. And now he lost how much in in, in jewelry? Of uh, half the guys hurt. Started GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel really <laughs> bad for the guy. Yeah, right. That's right. Let's get a let's get a fundraiser started for him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, odd. You know, I don't wear much jewelry anymore either. But as an Italian, you know, as a as a, as a youngster, I was gonna say it. that's why I'm bringing. Yeah, it up. Just... yeah, yeah. As an Italian, I did wear uh, a bunch of uh, jewelry and uh, and whatnot and, and gold. But as of now, uh, you know, I, I have to get the band on my Fitbit fixed. Otherwise, I'd be wearing one as well. So we got to keep up our steps, like you said. You know, and uh, the Fitbit also manages. It tells you if you slept good the night before, right? But uh, yeah, well, I really feel. I got all kinds of sleep issues, which I don't want to get into. I guess. <laughs> Sleep apnea, and I have a CPAP yeah. machine, and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, do you? Yeah, so, yeah. My yeah, wife's trying to get me to wear one of those. Ooh. Well, she, you should do it. Uh, it yeah. Significantly improve your health. It has not mm-hmm. worked for me in the you way feel that I wanted it to. In the morning, when it works, do you feel like yes. refreshed. Okay, okay. Yes, I do because mm-hmm. you're getting an actual night's sleep. But the mm-hmm. mask doesn't fit me that well, so it's hard for me to right, wear it right. uh, through the night every night. Um, right. All right. So you look like uh, pain when you go to bed. Yeah, Batman it's not an attractive look. I'm just saying you got to hope that you're with somebody that is is okay with it, but it beats the hell out of you snoring in their face. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, uh, and and look, anyway. you're, like you said, it's a, it's a health issue. So God so, bless you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, buddy. So Jordan Howard, we were talking about him with Kevin Walsh, and mm-hmm. I'm looking for Jordan Howard and where he is at right now. Jordan Howard is the 36th running back off the board. These are PPR rankings. So he's right behind Rashad Penny and Latavius Murray. Mm. He's right in front of Royce Freeman and Jalen Samuels. I think what you're seeing right there in that mix is guys that are backups or parts of committees. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your buddy Daryl Henderson is just a few spots in front of him. And my guy, Ido Smith, is a few spots behind him. I'd much rather have Ido Smith than Jordan Howard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Even though it might seem counterintuitive because Jordan Howard, for whatever it's worth, will probably be the lead back heading into the year. He'll be the guy on the field. If there is such a thing in Philadelphia. That's right. (laughs) He'll be the guy on the field on the first offensive play of the game. It may not mean much after that. But mm-hmm. he probably sees the most carries, all else equal, mm-hmm. um, right. if everybody's healthy. But not everybody stays healthy, and they mix it up, and they throw passes, and they get other guys involved in other ways. So, yeah, but Edo Smith, you really, you know, you're sort of one play away from Devontae Freeman going down, and then Edo is the guy there. And he was good. It's not like it had never happened before. Limited samples <laughs> last year. That's right. That's right. He's a walking injury. And Edo mm-hmm. Smith performed behind well behind Tevin Coleman at times last year. So I think you'd rather Edo Smith than Jordan Howard, or, or at least I would. Royce Freeman? It's a little bit of a different discussion because you got Philip Lindsay that came out of nowhere last year. In fact, right. Philip Lindsay's going twenty third and Royce Freeman thirty seventh. So that's something to to consider as well. I'd rather Lindsay, especially in a in a PPR league, but uh, you know, not bad to handcuff uh, both of them. I mean, we expected a lot out of Freeman last year. If Lindsay just came out of nowhere, but uh, gotta love what he did. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, going back to some of those props that you had um, set up for us. Hmm. All right. We talked about regular season rushing yards. I said Joe Mixon was sort of my. I like the value there. 
NFL season regular passing yards. We said Matt Ryan, the shortest odds at 3.3. Pat Mahomes, 4.2 to 1. Andrew Luck, same odds as Pat Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't know where somebody could come out of left field for that. A really long odds. Deshaun Watson, 45 to 1. I, I was looking at him. Uh, what about Phillip Rivers, 20 to 1? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's possible. Look, you're just taking a, a stab here, right at the at the at this stage. I think uh, Phil Rivers has enough of a running game that he wouldn't lead the league in passing. I think the offense mm-hmm. could be really good, but I think they will rely enough on Gordon and others that he won't have to lead the league in passing. Deshaun Watson might have my, to. Yeah. What about my man Eli? Oh boy. Can we get a can we get a total on starts for Eli? Eli's one hundred and fifty seven to one here on the total yards. What's Daniel Jones? Twenty actually, he's two hundred sixty three to one. Same as Josh Rosen. Um, Mm -hmm. How about over under? I'll I'll just set my own over under here. Over under on Eli starts seven and a half. Oh boy, Uh, I'm gonna go over, but not much. Does That's it, a Giants, lot of time for Eli. Uh, Giants are very, very. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Conservative. They love Eli. You, no, no, no. no they, they, Infatuated they love with Eli. Eli. Exactly. Yes. So I could. I, I'll give them to week ten. You know, like let's say, you know, if the Giants are like two and eight, uh, I'll say that Daniel Jones would be in there. But uh, I don't think it's an. You know, I. Mara loves him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, but it's you go under. The love affair has got to end. I'm going under on that, and we're mm-hmm. going to do the Giants right now. We'll do the if you're going to go much under, then why even have him as your starting quarterback to, to begin with? I don't know. It's <laughs> a great question. Uh, I, 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 you've asked a question that I think a lot of people have been trying to ask. Right, why right. would you do this? Why are they doing yeah. that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different things that they could have done. And I'm trying to pull up the Giants' schedule and results for I, – I can't get their schedule right now. There's a link that's broken on Pro Football Reference, uh, unfortunately, which is normally where I go to look up the schedules easily. Let me see I'm if I could uh, right open now. my link. Because um, like so it would be interesting because I had uh, Brian uh, – uh, do this with me last week. Let's see if, if our results come back differently. Uh, so I, yeah. let's say I have the Giants here. There so they go. open up. Yeah, they open up at Dallas. I have it. I'd say it's a loss at Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. At Dallas. Uh, all right. So let's do the G men right here. Giants wins losses. All right. Uh, Dallas loss hosting Buffalo yeah, loss. Uh, Hosting Buffalo. Tampa. Yeah. Go Bills. Uh, at Tampa. That's not an easy place to play. That's a loss. Hosting Washington. I'll give them their first win. Hosting the Vikings. Yikes. One and four. At New England. Yikes. One and five. Hosting Arizona. Two and five. Wait at a minute. Detroit. Eli always beats New England. I'm only kidding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> at Detroit. I'll give. I'll sneak him in a win right there. Hosting Dallas. I'll even give him there. They fight back. They're four and five. Yeah, usually uh, at, they, they split. At the Jets, L. I know it's technically a home game. At the Bears, L. So, oh, so this is important. Their bye week. In fact, let me cross that off. So, at their bye week, I have them four and six. That means they would have just lost to the Jets, and then you say, that's it. At that point, you're saying that's where it could happen, right? They lose mm-hmm. to the Jets. They go into the bye week, then make but the you know what? to Daniel Jones. If they're 4-6, and six, they're probably still in the playoff hunt in the NFC East, even Is though it's unlikely. you have them they... there at 4-6, and six, or you have them better? Well, I was just going, you know, with you. I, I didn't really disagree much with what you had, except maybe, you know, hosting Buffalo. I know Buffalo is going to be better. Uh, but I gave him a win. Year. I gave him a road win in Detroit. And t- yeah. All right, but I mean, I'll t- you know, it's close. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 
you know, t- I don't think you're way off on this, but uh, so so you have him at four and six after ten. Do you think that's worthy of benching Eli for Daniel Jones? Now, when you're looking at I, your th- when you're <laughs> looking at your three games coming out of the break at Chicago, then Green Bay, then at Philly, yeah, that's a please. rough stretch. I don't yeah, know don't if I want to put kid, a rookie uh, in there for that. Yeah, yeah, but. It also is indicative of like, are we going to win these games with Eli and like mm-hmm. make the playoffs? Like, I think you got to be honest about it. All right. If you draft the guy six overall, he's making the playoffs. I know. I'm just saying he should just play. He mm-hmm. should just play. I don't care if Eli starts one game if I'm a Giants fan. Yeah. So here, here, this is where they're going to start him uh, against Miami. That's where you start in week 15. Yeah, but then the season is so over. Like, what kind of evaluation are you Season was over before it in... started, Mike. I, I understand. <laughs> so just put him in. So I'm way under on the seven and a half yeah. for Eli. I think it depends on the individual because I think there are some players that you put him in from, from week one. He just gets beat up week after week after week. It just messes with his uh, mental aspect. I'd rather him kind of be eased into it, in my opinion. But it depends on the individual. You know. By the way, I mean, the way much... I did it, yeah. the way I yeah. did it, he's in there September 29th against Washington because I have them at 0-3, <laughs> losing to Dallas. I'm just, I'm right. just, as I'm going back through it, at Dallas, loss, hosting Buffalo, loss, at Tampa, loss. If they're 0-3 and Eli comes back mm-hmm. out there, people are going to freaking lose their mind in New York. Yeah. They drafted well, what do you the think? guy you sixth think... overall. If it's an 0-3 team, you have to play him then. That's right. why I'm way so up. Then, so then he, start, he starts Washington, starts against uh, Minnesota, then uh, at New England. So if yeah. he just tanks it those first three games, you put Eli back? No. Or once, once you've made that commitment. Never again. Once you've made that commitment, it's, that's it, huh? Never again due to yeah. poor play, uh, with obvious exceptions. If he starts having Nathan Peterman games, then you have to pull him out. And then then they're going to set life on fire <laughs> if he's that bad. But uh, I happen yeah, to think this kid has some poise, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I don't do think too. he's a superstar. I, I think I, think uh, so I, I like the way he's kind of – and we haven't seen too much of him. But I, I, I kind of like the way he's handling himself with the media. I'm worried about the, uh, yes, we, I think all that stuff, a lot more I think see. that's what he's really good at, though, Joe. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be unflappable, and I think he's going to take all the bullets from the media, and he's going to handle himself really well. He's a well-groomed, uh, smart football player. But what uh, what do you think his upside is? Is it Derek Carr? Is that his upside? That's I not, hope not. That's not exciting to me. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. not exciting. Right. Is this, mm-hmm. is he does he show the flashes that Carson Wentz showed, and then you're in this sort of middle ground? Is he Marcus Mariota? Mar- Mariota's thing is t- totally tainted by injuries, so yeah. it's not really poor play. I don't think. How about personally? Um, so is that I'm gonna I'm gonna at? cop out in my I'm gonna cop out in my answer and say that his upside is Eli in his prime, uh, a very That's serviceable quarterback who goes out there every single week. Uh, you know, is able to handle the New York media and given the tools around, he's not going to make the players around him better, but give him a good supporting cast, give him a good offensive line and he'll get the job done. But Joe, Eli in his prime isn't serviceable. He's excellent. He won two he's, Super he's, Bowl he, MVPs. I know. And he I, was I know he's so not clutch. serviceable, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not uh, no. Dan Marino. He was a very good quarterback who was surrounded, who had a good serviceable defense. Serviceable is yeah, Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. That's not Eli's career. <laughs> it is. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I, serviceable is really down. Is Eli a Hall of Famer? Uh, it's the most complicated <laughs> question ever because. I think now that guys like Kurt Warner got in and you've seen some other guys, I think Eli is in. He's also mm-hmm. maybe the first guy in my life that I thought was a Hall of Famer and could have played himself out of it mm-hmm. just because of how bad he That's, he, a, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, but he had the two Super Bowl MVPs, the two rings. Somebody does yeah. that, you're in. You're like, you're in. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, an automatic, yeah. But then the last like 3, seven seasons have been like terrible. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I always thought of it, and I would put him in. But I do. Mm-hmm. I 
I, I'm at a point now where I, I feel like the play has been so bad. He's hurt his resume mm-hmm. the last few years. He could have played himself out of it. But uh, I think when it comes down to it, he'll be in. You know, Jordan, and he's Roger. not serviceable, but he was an elite. You know, oh, like they did the week Do you to remember week. that whole debate, though? Eli, yeah, yes. you remember that whole yeah, thing yeah, yes. went on for years. Yeah, I, I remember, yeah, that's, like that's him right heading right. into that second Super Bowl. Eli, Eli mm-hmm. is elite. You can't spell elite without Eli. All that whole <laughs> thing. So, anyway, to finish off the terrible season, uh, I had them at four and six going into the bye. They lose at the Bears. They lose to Green Bay. They lose to Philly. They're four and nine. Uh, they got to beat Miami. Pick off Come Miami. <laughs> Pick off Miami. So I, yeah, the you guys two? had him at six. I'll put him at five. Yeah. Okay. Five and 11. Mm-hmm. So we're splitting hairs when it comes to it. In any aspects, it's going to be a long year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Jones, see you in September 29th, hosting Washington <laughs> in front of the home crowd. Gonna, no, Miami, week 15. All right. We'll come right back and uh, wrap this up after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. to close it out final segment on weekend fantasy update before we pass it over to on this episode of weekend fantasy update before we pass it over to george and cam uh the giants win total for 2019 season is six uh we have them at five so it's pretty close to the number they went mm-hmm. five and eleven last year three and 13 the year before it's it's weird to think that the giants had a two-game improvement last year but they did because of all the drama surrounding it, and what I'm happy taking the under. Like. Uh, I would not not take the over. I just no, wonder no. if this moves down. I think people are going to be yeah. down on the Giants. Might want to jump. I wonder on if this. it moves down a half a game. Mm-hmm. Which you're saying, ah, what's the difference if it's six and five and a half? It just matters. There's a lot of. You'd rather it be at six than five and a half. Things go one way or the other. Uh, you really still want them to win five, but there's also there's a, like a lot of value in this kind of stuff as well. You can always buy a half a win here or there. Um, you know, imagine you don't love the number at six, but if it's if the Giants' number is at six and a half, you hammer it all day, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. You just would. Mm-hmm. It's a big, that's why it's a big difference. Um, so, uh, and especially if you can buy a half a win here or there, if somebody's letting you do that at a certain book, you have to consider that. So that's where we're at for the Giants. The under, yeah, maybe the Eagles uh, are think, uh, cl- they clinched, and maybe they sit a bunch of their guys in yeah. the last week, and who knows? Who knows? What yeah, happen. yeah. I, I think the Dolphins are, are one of the only, are, are one of the few teams that are clearly worse off than the Giants. I, I guess you could say Arizona's not in really great shape. They're they're in a rebuild, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so let's close it out. Um, we got let's do some MLB um, scores or MLB previews for the day. See some of these pitching matchups that we have going on. Any? Did I miss any major stories? By the way, was there anything that you want to discuss that I missed? I feel like I always should no, no real you. major stuff. I mean, it's like you know, Craig Kimbrell now with the. The Cubs, it's going to take him, uh, depends on who you listen to, either two to three weeks before he's ready to, to pitch. What did he sign uh, for? Uh, you got me. <laughs> uh, three years. He got three years. Uh, I don't know what the money is, but uh, I was surprised that he, he got that many years. Three years. How does he get three yeah. years? Let's see. Craig Kimball contract. And Keiko gets four uh, months. $45 million. Three years, $45 million. Woo! It just shows you the value of a of a closer, even though, you know, he was in decline last year. And basically, Keiko got what we we thought, right? A kind of like a prorated 
off of 18, you know, I don't know the exact, you know, number, but uh, he was off for something like 18 million uh, in the preseason, denied that, and he kind of wanted something close. So uh, I'd say 13 million is kind of decently prorated, right? Yeah, that's a good contract for him. I didn't think he was going to get that. It seemed like he was uh, raking people over the coals, asking for that kind of money, and then he ended up getting it. But mm-hmm. desperate times call for desperate measures, so good for him. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, previous, so two to three weeks uh, for him to come back. For Kimbrel right. to be game ready, yeah. Pedro Strop yeah. got a save yesterday for the Cubs. Yeah, so... So for fantasy circles, I'm sure people were, had drafted Kimbrel and hung on to him. I don't even know They've who has him in our him. league. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't even know who has him in our league but that we compete in together. But uh, as of as of this moment, I can tell you, I can tell you that I have been uh, hanging around first place in our league. I've been piecing together at the closer position. I've been piecing it together with Aralto Chapman. Uh, Shane Green is one of the guys I've had. Uh, Wade Davis has been on the DL. But I picked up uh, Scott Oberg, which is his sort of setup man. I picked him up in the interim to try to piece it together. Wade Davis expected back. Oh, look at this. Did he pitch last night? No, he returns from IL. So he's activated from the 10-day injured list yesterday. He hasn't pitched in the game for three and a half weeks because of a strained left oblique. Oblique. He didn't make any rehab appearances, but will likely be thrust back into the ninth inning, pushing Scott Oberg back to his setup role. So I don't know that. Uh, in fact, I'm sorry. He did pitch last night. I, I, that's my fault. Uh, I didn't even realize. I've been tracking him and had him in my starting lineup because I knew he was coming back any day. So he actually mm-hmm. threw an inning last night, got a strikeout, a couple of base runners, but uh, he didn't have a save on the line. So they just got him some work last night. So that's that's good. Wade Davis back in the lineup. I actually have to put him back into my lineup as we speak. Uh, so there yeah, you go. That. that- that daily lineup thing could, if you just walk away for a second, it could screw you. <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. I just, I look, that, that happened. I don't even know what time of day that happened yesterday, but probably in the afternoon, and I just missed it uh, between mm-hmm. doing some other kind of prep work and, and everything else. So, all right, so there you go, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, back in the mix. So today, pitching matchups. Uh, let's see what kind of good ones we have. Lucas Giolito throwing for the White Sox, eight and one on the year. Joe, despite the White Sox being four games under five hundred, he's eight and one yeah. with a two point five four ERA. Yeah, uh, guy that uh, it's nice to see him finally coming to his own. Was uh, considered one of the top prospects in baseball, and uh, like you said, it's been pitching real well uh, as of late. So uh, yeah, like him today. Uh, yeah, you, I was looking pitchers duel uh, with the Marlins and Brewers today. <laughs> Julio Tehran, uh, 0.83 ERA over uh, his last six starts. Wow. And uh, Trevor Richards uh, for the Marlins last three starts, two and zero with a 1.02 ERA. How about that for a Marlins pitchers? Fan yeah, uh, struck not... out nine, 19 and 17 in two third innings. But uh, do you have the uh, uh, the intestinal fortitude to start him against the Brewers? I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, So, uh, by the way, Sox and Rays, uh, doubleheader today, makeup game there. Mm -hmm. And it looks like A's Rangers in a doubleheader today as well. So, CeCe, last game uh, starting in Cleveland there, Mike. Ah. In regular season, ever. I wonder if they give him a little regular season. I like how you qualify that. I I think think we can (laughs) be assured that it'll be the last game in Cleveland. Uh, Indians are one game over 500. I don't mean to, I don't mean to keep bashing them, but I don't think we have expectations right, right. that they're gonna, they're gonna be selling conceivably. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. see where they are at the deadline, but um, yeah. So CC good chance for uh, Yankees good, win today. Yeah, they need one. Uh, yeah. They certainly need one. Uh, let's see. Uh, Andrew Kashner throwing today. He's at six and two on the year. Uh, John Gray against Stephen Matz today. Rockies, Mets. What do we got here? Rich Hill against Jeff Samarja, Dodgers, Giants. You mentioned Flaherty uh, for the Cardinals. John Lester throwing for the Cubs today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lester. I was looking at him. Uh, come back to me on Lester. But I'll give you a couple couple of bats that that I like, if, if that's okay. okay. Yeah, uh, all right. Uh, yeah, some value bats if you play in DFS. Uh, Ramon Laureano. 
343 home runs, three stolen bases, last 12 games uh, against Adrian Sampson for the Rangers. Uh, This is why I had uh, some stuff with uh, Lester. Uh, Jed Jerko. Uh, career-wise against Leicester, nine for 25, three home runs. So three of those nine hits home runs versus Leicester. Uh, Matt Wieters uh, in a catcher uh, because uh, Molina, I think Molina's hurt. So he's had some good success against Leicester career-wise, 17 for 52. So, but, uh, yeah, I don't mean to bash on Leicester, but, uh, hey. How's <laughs> uh, this? Do you have the intestinal fortitude again? Will Myers, five for 16 with two home runs against Scherzer. Do you automatically uh, no. shy away from starting uh, guys against Scherzer? He's you shown know, that he's you human. Know what this my year. real approach is, and I, mm-hmm. I, I don't mess with my lineup that much. We're in the daily league together. I don't mess with it that much. The starters are the starters, and on a day like Saturday, it's just the standard starting lineup. If I do yeah. see some anomalies, maybe I'll switch it up. But, like, I have guys like – I have two, I'm, I'm the probably the only guy in the league carrying two catchers. I just – they've both been hitting well, so I haven't felt the need to trade Omar Narvaez and uh, Brian McCann. Like, I haven't – it's not Brian McCann, mm-hmm. Jason McCann. So uh, I haven't felt the need to drop either of them. But one of those guys is usually on the bench, right? Because I'm not putting – Typically, of course. both catchers in the lineup. Uh, Cesar right. Hernandez is like one of my backups, and Jerks and Profar is one of the backups. Those guys just stay in there until somebody's got a day off or whatever else. Like, I don't mess around mm-hmm. with guys too much. If somebody's in a stone cold slump, like a DK Hernandez, he's just going to be on the bench um, for, for a while until he starts mm-hmm. hitting better. But I don't like to go batter versus pitcher matchups day by day. I think it is useful Yeah, not in season long, but obviously yeah. DFS, obviously. Of course. But, uh, yeah. I agree with you. I agree but, with you. But the ba- I've talked to some guys, and I, in fact, I saw a tweet from him earlier today. Uh, Derek Carty is a really good DFS guy. He's, um, mm-hmm. he's a good uh, baseball writer as well. I remember interviewing him years ago at, at a conference, and he said that he puts no weight, none, into batter versus pitcher matchups because the sample sizes are too small in a sport like baseball to assume, right. this is his take, that the 16 at-bats is enough to convince you that he right. has an edge over Max Scherzer. He just ran pretty good there for the you know, mm-hmm. through those 16 at-bats. It doesn't mean that long-term he's going to hit 300 against Scherzer and, and that uh, Scherzer can't figure him out, but that generally in DFS, I think there's some weight for batter versus pitcher, but some guys out there just don't put any weight on it at all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to think about in DFS. Not only is it batter versus pitcher, which I agree with it when you're looking at a small sample size, you know, but uh, when you look at Jerko, when three of his nine hits and he's got 25 at-bats against Leicester, I think I'd take a shot on him. But also, there's a lot of things to look at in terms of, you know, you got to look at the pitching Equation too. Does the opposing pitcher? How does he do uh, against, let's say, uh, if, if uh, at home versus away uh, versus lefties versus righties? I mean, you know, DFS really could take a lot of your time to uh, to be successful at it. So uh, the fact that Cordy is very good at it uh, shows that he puts a lot of work into it. And I and yeah. I uh, agree with him that you know depends on sample size has to be looked at. Obviously, yeah. Zach Zach Greinke throwing today against Aaron Sanchez. Uh, in Toronto, so uh, another game to look at. Uh, Diamondbacks heavily favored, one thirty-eight on the money line. Uh, as far as you know, if you wanted to put together some sort of uh, parlay, I think Lucas Giolito going up against the Royals, uh, he's mm-hmm. pretty heavily favored. But I think if you can, you know, parlay that maybe with somebody like Zach Greinke, I think you get some interesting value there. The Yankees pretty heavily favored in Cleveland as well, a minus one thirty-eight yeah, there. Plutko, uh, their opposing pitcher, uh, 6.35 ERA in uh, 11 and a third innings. You have uh, the emotions of CC Sabathia, like I mentioned, making his final, uh, I'll say, should I say regular season or just final appearance <laughs> in Cleveland? I think, I think technically you have to say regular season. I think you can just say it. And I'm not going to down, downgrade your commentary at all. Yeah. 
Thank you. Well, I, I was uh, watching the Yankee game last night, and they said uh, CC, you know, went back to his his old house that he used to live in, and uh, the 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 basketball hoop that his father helped put up, uh, you know, because obviously uh, CC was an Indian for many years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he went to his favorite uh, sandwich shop, got his favorite uh, hoagie. So he's going to be in good spirits. He's going to be in a good place when uh, he goes out to the mound today. So, yeah. Uh, one event that we didn't talk about, post time 648, the Belmont Stakes today. I will not be in attendance, even though it is really close to where I live. It's a 15-minute drive, and I have gone to a Belmont Stakes race before. I've gone mm-hmm. to the Preakness before, and um, my number one bucket list thing is to go to the Kentucky Derby, which I may actually yeah, do to. next yep. year. Uh, a good friend of mine, I was in Washington, D.C. earlier this week, and uh, one of my best friends lives down there, Ryan, and he went to the Derby this year. And he said it was amazing. He said he had just the best time. Uh, now, how do you get tickets to go? I mean, is it something that you go to Ticketmaster and uh, uh, buy tickets, or what happened? He did some sort of a package with hotel and with tickets. So mm-hmm. I'd have to look into it. Uh, look, 150,000 people there uh, every year coming in for the Oaks and the Derby. I, I think there's obviously a way to get tickets, but I, I don't know. I, I'll be totally honest. I've never even looked into as much as I've wanted to go. I've never looked into it deeply enough because mm-hmm. I always knew it was going to be sort of expensive. It was going to take a few days of my time. And for the last, you know, seven years at least, I've been dealing with uh, – Little guys and girls here, and sure, sure. taking a weekend off for the Kentucky Derby is kind of tough. But maybe I'll do it. I'll wrap, roll it into a um, a birthday gift next year or something like that. There you go. There you go. So now you're talking. Uh, the Belmont, so the Belmont Derby Stakes today at six forty eight p.m. Yeah, I was gonna say Kentucky Derby, Notre Dame uh, home game. Uh, you know, you know, football. Uh, that, those yeah. are two things that I'd like to do. Uh, you know. On my I have been to Notre Dame uh, twice, uh, both for BC games, both games. BC oh, won. Oh, there you go. So I'm. Uh, it could wow, not have gone better. <laughs> Look at it you. It could not have gone better. Uh, <laughs> both times. I've been to Notre Dame one other time, but I went there twice for football games. Uh, back when I was looking mm-hmm. at colleges, I looked at Notre Dame, and it was. Uh, it's a really, it's a really nice place, and and the stadium is cool, and the atmosphere is a lot of fun as well. So I, I do recommend that. I think you'd have a great time. Uh, going yeah. to do that. So for me, it's Kentucky Derby, Super Bowl. Those are the two things I still need to check off the list. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen the Super Bowl live a, either. I've seen a lot of other but then, you cool know, stuff as well. If you're live at the Super Bowl, you're missing out on the commercials, Mike. I hear you, but uh, I think for <laughs> I'm the last, I think for the last, <laughs> yeah, I think for the last five years, I haven't paid one bit of attention to the commercials. It used to be a thing <laughs> that I think right. I got as interested as some of the other people, but. Uh, I'm, I'm just not into it anymore. I, I got too much going on during the game on with us <laughs> analyzing it and making notes and yes. on Twitter yeah, and yeah, everything yeah, yeah, else yeah, that I can't even pay attention. So I'll give one final shout out to my buddy, Mike Lynch. Uh, it is his birthday today. So happy birthday to him. Happy and birthday, Mike. Yeah. And he is also a guy that has, uh, to his credit, he was always sort of trying to push on some rule changes in baseball that would quicken the pace of the game. And some of these, even if modified, have actually come to fruition. So I always have to give him credit for the Lynch rule set in Major League Baseball. Uh, The pitching changes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, happy birthday to him and to the rest of you. Have an excellent weekend on behalf of Joe Galena and Sean Engel. For this edition of Weekend Fantasy Update, we're out. We'll talk to you soon.